0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Vignaoli Selection. Since 1999, Vignaoli Selection has been discovering and selecting Italian and Austrian wines that better suit your palate. For more information, visit vignaoliamerica.com i'm greg blaze host of cutting the curd you're listening to heritage radio network broadcasting live from bushwick brooklyn
2: if you like this program visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more
3: and welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Here today, uh, a visual exploration of 75 additives and 25 food products. A wonderful book called Ingredients. A great collaboration between a commercial photographer and an author who is here in studio, Stephen Etlinger. And I think we have Dwight Escherman on the phone, is that correct? I'm here. Excellent. Welcome, Dwight, all the way from the west side of this country.
1: Thanks for having me.
3: Excellent. So this book, first I want to know about the collaboration, because it actually came out of another book of yours, Steve, um, Twinkie Deconstructed. Tell me about that book, why you wanted to do that, and how Dwight was weaved in.
2: Well, were, there was a big disconnect uh, in the sense that uh, my book came out a number of years ago, and uh, got a lot of publicity, so I think it was a little bit in the zeitgeist, uh, this, ex- this uh, investigating a long list of ingredients. Uh, but it was not a visual book with visuals. I, I wrote it, however, in a visual way, so I, I visited the factories and the mines and, uh, you know, took myself there, interviewed the engineers, uh, which was really a lot of fun and uh, amazing because there was a wide variety of sources. Uh, and I had a website for that book, where I, which I monitored the traffic on every now and then. And one day, a couple of years after it came out, I noticed a huge spike in the traffic. I traced that to um, this guy in San Francisco. Yeah. and So that's how we met. He said, oh, yeah, well, I've got this project that went viral. Uh, and that's the real genesis of this book, his project that went viral. And I, I should let Dwight explain that.
3: Yeah, 37 or so ingredients. Tell me about it, Dwight.
1: Well, that's uh, Steve and I both found our Twinkies, and uh, that's that's how we met. Uh, What happened, uh, so 37 or so ingredients was a personal project of mine that uh, I deconstructed the Twinkie visually in the same way that Steve had deconstructed the Twinkie um, in his book, but with words. Um the genesis of that was simply you know an onset conversation with a, a chef friend of mine who was very much an omnivore and liked to tease me about how little I actually ate and yet how it wasn't always the best foods um and he simply asked me you know you, you deconstruct a lot of items in your work it's a theme that runs through your work why don't you do it with food and I well all right, so we found the most iconic thing we could—the Hostess Twinkie—and we deconstructed it. it. Turned into a, a self-published book, um, made it all the way to the Daily Show with John Stewart, and uh, then Steve and I found each other through that.
3: It's in, in all these food products, in ingredients itself. You revisit that Hostess Twinkie
2: again. Oh yeah, uh, sort of in in a, in a, in a soft way. Um, in this book, we did seventy-five ingredients. They're among the most common. Um, they include what is it? Dwight? About twenty or twenty-five that were in the Twinkie, maybe fewer. Yeah, I
1: think not quite that many, but nearly. I mean, yeah. it's it's. I think that touches on the industrialized process that is uh, food manufacturing these days. Uh, a lot of a lot of addit- a lot of additives and ingredients are seen over and over.
3: I mean, prior to you know, doing Twinkie Deconstructed and Dwight prior to you doing your visual treatment for uh, a similar project. Did either of you read labels? What was it like shopping?
2: Well, well for me, it was, uh, it was classic, uh, I'm a, i used to, you know, I grew up reading cereal boxes and, you know, and poetry. No, uh, <laughs> but I, I got into looking at labels after doing a number of food books, including on beer and wine and, and, and um, various uh, eth- ethnic cuisines, trying to explain the elements of, say, of French cooking, and it got me wondering if there was a terroir for polysorbate sixty or red <laughs> number forty. Uh, and, I, and I love uh, big books on things like, uh, you know, the foods of France, which show pictures in context. Usually they show a winemaker standing in the middle of his vineyard. I, I was thinking always if there wasn't the same thing I could do for Polysorbate 60. Uh, and then I couldn't figure out how to do a book. Based on, you know, doing all like 3000 ingredients or 13 most common ingredients, it wasn't really a good way to organize a book. So I kept looking at labels for a few years (laughs) randomly while I finished up other projects until one day it dawned on me that I really needed one food product that had an interesting ingredient list to do to use as the table of contents. And I needed something that had the right number of chapters, you know. But uh, so you you who chocolate the drink wasn't sufficient. You know, Campbell's soup wasn't sufficient. Um, and I got a lot of stares from uh, managers of grocery stores as I pondered labels in the aisles, not to mention my family, until one huh. day I slapped myself on the forehead. I still have the bruise. Uh, Twinkies! You know, every, it's a well-known food product. It's got a delightfully long ingredient list, which, by the way, includes most of the most common ingredients. So it was a really good way to enter that whole world of artificial food ingredients. It wasn't about the Twinkie. It was about the Twinkie ingredients.
3: And, and Dwight, you are San Francisco-based, right?
1: I, I
2: am. That is correct.
3: So Rainbow Grocery really doesn't have a Twinkie in there, does it?
1: <laughs> there are, it can be hard to find.
2: I was just going to say something um, snarky about San Francisco <laughs> and Twinkies. Oh, but... feel free. We
3: are, we are <laughs> the epicenter of Brooklyn. We're
1: an easy target. <laughs>
3: But i mean this this so, collab this collaboration um, the way that you arrived at at working together and you know making these elements so stark um, and mm-hmm. they're such homey foods you know they're, they're in most people's pantries. Um, why that decision to you know have that disconnect, or do we already have that visual disconnect being consumers
1: well i mean I mean I think making food on any scale is pretty abstract. I mean, think about making pancakes on Saturday morning at home. The ingredients on their own are pretty abstract. So I, and I feel like that dovetails well with industrialized manufacturing that it's, it's very abstract. It's more even more of a world of white powders and clear liquids than I expected going into the project, but Visually, my goal was always to take a very clinical <laughs> approach that allows you to access the differences within a group of very similar
2: items right and I was able to dig out or ferret out details that made that distinguish many of the similar looking and functioning items from one from one another, but based on maybe some of the sub ingredients or manufacturing processes, all of which I simply found. Fascinating. It's not necessarily important to know in terms of nutrition or politics. It's just fascinating. And we're both curious guys. We're just intrigued by this yeah. stuff.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the one that I found most intriguing was shellac. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so many people <laughs> that eat apples. And, uh-huh. and I, I apologize for anyone who's eaten an apple while reading this. Um, and thanks. You know, I, I am healthy. Don't eat apples, they're bad
2: for you. <laughs> you know, <me. laughs> I, I, am, uh, I am a
3: vegetarian, fruitarian. Um, there's some insect larva secretion, or as I like to think of it, bug sap.
2: Yeah, the, and, and, uh, and <laughs> shells, and, you know, oh my gosh. But uh, insects are a rare, very good source of <clears throat> natural ingredients. Mm-hmm. Uh, carmine, the red colorant, very common red colorant from, uh, from beetles, too. Ah, oh, those beetles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're see- uh, And
1: shellac sure makes a shiny apple. I mean, who can resist the uh, shellac apple?
2: Well, most people
3: that may have just heard that.
1: <laughs> for, for a little bit,
3: but then they realize that, you know, it is also a good source of protein. Uh, uh, bugs and larvae are found in cuisines around the world. Yeah, yeah. But they're bugs. Yeah, in this more <laughs> industrial way. Um, yeah. of, of these foods that you chose, too, a lot of them are mass produced industrial, you know, objects. Yep. Um, why choose those over smaller artisan ones?
2: Are there smaller artisanly I, produced food additives?
3: No, no, not the additives themselves, but like Twinkies. I oh, feel like, the food products uh, yeah, yeah. That we
2: deconstructed. Oh, so <laughs>
1: like, in in terms in terms of the, f- the selection of foods, um, I, certainly from the very beginning, and Steve and I both agree on this that uh, we want to be observational, expository. That was our goal here. I it was important to me that we showed good food and bad food with within that industrial context. Um, so when <coughs> we went about editing the foods I threw I basically created three categories based purely on my own perception so here are the bad foods here are the neutral foods and here are the good foods and it was important to me that we covered a even and fair cross-section of all of those Um, so that that was the starting point from there it was just what's most intriguing you know there's some interesting things I believe about all the foods that we chose Um, and some of the foods that are healthy are among the most interesting if you look at the the small piece of the overall food market that is energy bars every single one of those ingredients and additives are in those energy bars for a purpose and they're very studied obviously and that's very fascinating to me and there happens to be, you know, 40, 40 ingredients in the, in the power bar as well as, as the Twinkie.
2: Right, which is a, a good thing to remember when you think, when, if you're one of those people think that long lists of ingredients are scary or bad, um, if, if a power bar, an energy bar that is constructed to be healthful and helpful to you has that many, keep in mind that they're not necessarily all bad. Now, I'm not apologizing for the yeah. use of artificial food ingredients. I'm just trying to inject yeah. a little note of, of rationality here. It's hard to make a broad generality about them all.
3: Yeah, and like Dwight said, uh, purpose. I mean, a lot of things are put in there for purpose. But then, you know, some things make you scratch your head like uh, um, oatmeal. You know, the funniest thing <laughs> about that instant oatmeal strawberries and cream by oh. Quaker is that there aren't really any strawberries it's just dehydrated apples with strawberry flavoring you know a (laughs) red dye number 40 so there's purpose and then there's intent
1: and I have to say that strawberries and cream that was the very first one that was one that never exited the list as things came on and off our our final list to me oatmeal that's strawberries and cream that has neither strawberries nor cream is fascinating you know to to the nth degree and I, I think that's a really interesting comment on industrialized food manufacturing it's there's it's not always the purpose is not always what you would find in a power bar in terms of adding nutrition. often it's economically driven or preservation um, yeah. it's other purposes
2: yeah the preservation is a keynote. Uh, most of the processed foods are formulated one way or another. To last a long time on the shelf. It's the holy grail, shelf life. Holy grail of the food manufacturers. This is not to say they're adding bad things. They might be using a lot of sugar, which is a great preservative. But they're not including milk and eggs and things that spoil. That was (coughs) certainly the case with the Twinkie.
3: Well, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to be talking about things like annatto ferrous sulfide and xanthan gum, as well as Kraft Singles. Oh. Right. I'm gonna
2: go get a bite of xanthan gum. Yeah, after the break. Okay. <laughs> Me too. Yeah,
3: we're we're just gonna take a quick bite of xanthan gum. We'll be right back. You've been listening to the Food Scene on mm. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're right back.
2: At Vignaioli Selection, Dino Tantawi brings together some of Austria and Italy's finest cult wine producers. Dino makes frequent trips to Europe to bring sommeliers and consumers some of the best small vineyard wines. Every wine in the portfolio is selected for its unique attributes. Dino is especially known for his emphasis on the importing of terroir to fine wines and looks for vineyards with microclimate that perfectly express the terroir.
3: And welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Here with Steve Etlinger of Ingredients. It's a visual exploration of 75 additives and 25 food products. We were just talking to Dwight on the phone before, and he sadly had to leave us. I mean, he is a working commercial photographer. Hey, I'm a working yeah. author.
2: <laughs> and I'm here. Yeah. Well, then tell me what EDTA is. <laughs> EDTA. Oh, uh, that's... um. I've, got, I've really got to work on it. <clears throat> Ethylene diamine acid, and if you ask a scientist to explain that to you, it's it's always interesting because they'll say, "Oh, that just means it's a long molecule," or something, you know, really simplistic like that. But uh, because it's such a long name, it is referred to as EDTA, and uh, it's a preservative and an antioxidant. Um, it. What oh, we have a phone. Yeah. Meeting. Is that Dwight, maybe?
3: Maybe that's just all in your head.
2: Oh, probably, <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a lot of EDTA before I came yeah. here, and it does that, yeah. Um, it, it works as an antioxidant to uh, preserve food, but it also uh, keeps metals that might trace elements of metals that are in the food from getting, getting very far, uh, iron, copper, that type of thing. And that's generally the source of oxidation. It's a little complicated to explain, and I'm, I'm not necessarily one to explain it. But um, it, it, basically, oxidation is hell on vitamins and potatoes and canned crab meat. So you could, you could pretty much assure yourself you'll find EDTA, if that's what you're looking for, in those foods uh, when, they're, when they're processed.
3: See, another a- uh, acronym that everyone seems to love or embraced is, is MSG, you know, monosodium gluten. Ah, yes. You know, and we say, oh, I'm going to go down to Chinatown, have some MSG. Like, it's a good thing. Is it a good thing in your mind?
2: Well, it's it's, uh, it's a little complicated, but I had a lot of fun with MSG, in, in part because I uh, found—by uh, the way, it's one of the most beautiful um, photos in the book. It's just uh, the crystals just show up uh, so well. It's a double spread, and I urge everyone to go out and buy the book just for that picture. But anyway, um, I found a guy who's in charge of making it in Eddyville, Iowa, at a giant Japanese-owned plant. And he's also a beer brewer. That— is not too surprising because a lot of the engineers who make these things are home brewers. They're, they're into it. They're, they're scientists. They like ferment fermentation and they can handle complicated uh, home projects such as beer brewing. But um, the thing that really shocked me wasn't from him. I learned it by doing a research over a long period of time because it was sort of stupefying. There is no Chinese restaurant syndrome and Everybody, everybody loves to say, oh, it's all, it's, you know, Chinese food is loaded with it, and I always get a headache, or I break out in a rash, and that's a uh, BS. <laughs> it's just not true. Uh, what's interesting is um, monosodium glutamate is obviously a glutamate, and you can find glutamates in pretty serious quantities in ripe tomatoes, broccoli, mushrooms, which is why they taste meaty. It's a a umami taste. Fish, cheese, yogurt, red wine, anything fermented, meat, and of course seaweed, which is the original source of the uh, MSG that was extracted uh, by the guy who invented it around the turn of the last century, 1909. By the way, the guy who discovered it, was trying to isolate the taste of his favorite seaweed soup in, in Japan. He he started a company in 1909. It's called Ajinomoto. And Ajinomoto is still making MSG and now in Eddyville, Iowa, among other places. And they do about $10 billion a year. <laughs> Not bad for something from yeah. seaweed. You know? So
3: I, it's more Japanese restaurant syndrome than it is Chinese. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, right. Well, who knows? Maybe it's in Iowa. But what, what bothers me is that um, glutamates bump up uh, flavor, and they're good – they're really, you know, good when you're cooking, and, and uh, you find it in Marmite. Um, and if you, if you really want to um, add some glutamate, you can put Parmesan cheese on your food. Yeah. I think that's, I, that, that's just mind-blowing, that it's, it's natural. It's absolutely natural. Now, what they make in Iowa is not naturally fermented. It's just manufactured umami. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, too much of it might not be so good, but it's more a matter of taste. Well, let's
3: talk about... What I think is one of the, the greatest American umami products out there, uh, Heinz tomato ketchup.
2: Oh, yes. Well, did I say – I think I heard myself say that it's in – Yeah, glutamate in, is in, in tomatoes. In tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. And then a, a chef will tell you, well, that you add a little vinegar to it to bring it out, I guess. Um, I was in a sort of um, organic natural restaurant uh, yesterday uh, here in New York, Brooklyn, and uh, called Bark. And they had a big sign, They, they, their gourmet chef started it to sell hot dogs, that's why it's called, bark, funny, right? <laughs> and they have a big ketchup pump there with a big sign that our ketchup is homemade from 30 different kinds of tomatoes and all that, and has 50% less sugar than normal brands. And I I was eating it with a spoon, it was so darn good, so darn good. I, I, I just, I thought that was cool, that it could be that much better than the, the name brand. By the way, there are a lot of brands of ketchup out there that vary in taste, we shouldn't just think it's all Heinz. I know. That's kind of the Sorry, umbrella term
3: for, for ketchup in, yeah, in the yeah. States.
2: Oh, God bless them. They've done a good job with it. But.
3: So Cool Ranch Doritos, um, I met this guy one time who I guess was a flavorist, worked for PepsiCo, yeah. and said that he had invented the, the flavor for Cool Ranch oh, Doritos. Cool. Whether or not that was bullshit, <laughs> it's a great thing to
2: tell your friends. So go out yeah. there and tell your friends. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had a little a funny thing happen to me just the other day. Um, you know, you say you look at labels and you're asking, do I look at labels? So I do one thing even worse, which is I buy food that I normally would not buy because the label is long and intriguing. <laughs> and then I have the empty package in my office. Uh, so I have like a guacamole flavored chip bag in my office. They were really bad. There's no there's no avocado in it, you know, of course. But, you know, it's a snack food, so who cares? Um, but the other day, I was at a party, and I tasted these really good corn chips, which I thought were homemade. It turned out they were Fritos. So, of course, the other day, I bought a bag of Fritos. And you know what's in Fritos? Corn and salt. Yeah. And Well, corn oil, because they cook it. And you're thinking, wow, that's sort of the—I mean, it's made by Frito-Lay. They make potatoes. It's really a snack food poster child. And it's got a ridiculously short ingredient list. It's It's just— Corn.
3: I mean, so. what what were some that surprised? By the you way, like really that?
2: really good. Frito's yeah. are good. Too much salt, but really good.
3: <laughs> I mean, Frito pie is such a huge thing. It's delicious. Well, now,
2: now, now you're digressing. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm purist. Now.
3: Yeah, <laughs> you're a Frito purist. But of of these other, I, I mean, are you a Cool Ranch Dorito purist? Oh
2: oh no 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 uh, no. I, I'm, I'm big on on bread and tomatoes and apples and <laughs> olive oil.
3: Trident sugar free gum.
2: No, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I'm. am I really. I without thinking about it, I um, I, I realize now people offer me gum or candy, and I'm just like mm, not interested. But some of that is my is just my my background. I worked, I lived in in Paris for a while, and I had as a job the um, necessity of eating in a lot of two and three star restaurants. I was sort of an interpreter. I actually didn't speak much French. Underlying
3: necessity. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I didn't speak much French, but they needed somebody who spoke English, which I I managed as long as I didn't drink too much. Because then if I drank wine, I was just out of college. I wasn't really good at it. And every now and then I I get confused who was speaking French. Anyway, it's another (laughs) story. And I I worked as a cook a little bit. And my mother, when I was a kid, was really into Julia Child, whose book, when it came out, just like Blew everybody's mind. So, you know, I kind of got used to eating the straightforward stuff, and uh, I don't, I don't really like <laughs> yeah. with a lot of funny ingredients. But I do, I do like Fritos. No, <laughs> that's new. I just had those once. But honest. it's kind of
3: amazing. You're seeing all these companies like Panera, uh, Taco Bell, YoPlay, Pepsi, that are kind of removing some of these additives that are you know profiled in this book, and they're talking about them in their ads yeah. as if they're doing something great and revolutionary. Right. Whereas adding the additives was initially that.
2: Right. What actually they're doing is saying to people who might be customers, try us, you'll like us. Yeah. Which is, you know, might as well be selling cars. It doesn't matter, whatever it is. Um, they bowed to a lot of pressure, some of it cultural, some of it, which is okay. You know, that's what they're in the business of doing. That's fine. But some of it was uh, fueled by really stupid moves on the part of uh, some bloggers and the like who, who just got hysterical over nothing. And, I mean, the fact that, um, in one case, uh, one blogger inspired a campaign to get one company to one of the food companies, like like Panera Bread, Subway, to take an ingredient out of their bread. Well, if the ingredient was unsafe, you would think the campaign would be to have it banned. But instead, because she's an idiot, <laughs> she focused on this one company. I don't know if that's... Um, uh, uh, proper, or legal to say somebody's an idiot, but that's my opinion anyway. Um, and the company responded as a company should, which is, uh, oh, our customers don't want this, so you know, it's out of there. As it turns out, even the blogger pointed out that it wasn't dangerous to consumers. That she didn't admit she was doing it just because she's silly. Um, but the danger that she perceived and re- apparently researched was confirmed was to the people who manufacture the ingredient, which more or less disappears once it's baked into the bread. I mean, that's, that's just so sad, I think.
3: I mean, from a bread-baking perspective, uh, pretzels are my favorite. And you have to dip them in an alkaline solution, in, in a very intense lye solution. Lye, yeah. where uh I mean, that's pretty caustic. It bubbles yeah. and it sounds like a witch's cauldron. uh uh-huh. And yet, people eat... You know Bavarian yeah. style pretzels well, all the time. First of all, can I say
2: you're the first person I've ever met who knows how to make pretzels? That's that's cool.
3: I try. There you go.
2: And secondly, the lie figures in a lot of food processing, and yet people don't freak out about that because it's not a long name. It's um, L Y E. You know, it's not azodicarboxamide. Yeah, which is the one that uh, this uh, blogger got up up in arms about, and it's only because it's a long name, I'm sure. I mean, lie is really pretty caustic. What people have to realize is chemophobia sucks. Uh, You can quote me on that. (laughs) And while we trade in it, let's be real, we trade on it a little bit in this book because people are saying, wow, we're looking at all these long names. And we're sort of saying, wow, look at all these long names. But the the fact is that chemicals react with one another and, and, and are changed. And so you have probably sitting on your kitchen table right now two extraordinarily dangerous chemicals that are toxic and explosive. But when they combine, they make table salt. Sodium and chlorine. I mean, you don't want to get near those as elements and combine. It's salt.
3: Yeah, I remember throwing that into a body of water and flames appearing. <laughs> in, in. So I, I, I did not heed that warning. I actually did so. Um, I just want to end with McDonald's chicken McNuggets, oh, yes, which is uh,
2: that's an original project, project. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, if you look at
3: this list of forty ingredients, I mean, I can identify them all. I know what they are, and there's actually chicken in it, which is a lot of people's surprise. But, you know, I'm I'm not condoning or, or saying anything one way or another about, uh, you know, Chicken McNuggets, but I am saying you should look at this page and inform yourself that, you know, a more educated consumer is, is a better consumer. And, you know, read those labels, ask those questions, and certainly get this book.
2: I was going to say that myself, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the words out of my mouth. No, that's absolutely true. Uh, to, in, to become a, a more informed consumer is, is not just better in general, but it's entertaining and uh, can be helpful.
3: Excellent. Nice well, thank you so much, Steve. And thank you to Dwight, too, for being on air today. My pleasure. And again, everyone go out, get ingredients, a visual exploration of 75 additives and 25 food products out by Regan Arts right now. You've been listening to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan, Jericho. Hoping to have you back here next
1: Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.